This is Grace Grit and Getting It Done, the podcast for women who want to focus on their personal development and their professional priorities, increase their earnings, expand their influence, and advance up the leadership ladder all the way into the C-suite. Hi, I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. My podcast, Grace Grit and Getting It Done, offers a practical guide for women working in the corporate arena. Weekly episodes feature conversations with recognized experts, authors, and influencers. I'm covering topics from navigating corporate culture and coping with gender bias to prioritizing self-care and managing work-life balance. For more information, or if you'd like to contact me, send an email to lisa at bigsky.coach. What is your worst nightmare? For many people, it's the thought of speaking in public. There's actually a name for it. It's called glassophobia. And according to one estimate, having to speak in public is the number one fear of almost 75% of the population. But in the corporate arena, the ability to communicate is a critical skill set. If you don't have it and you're not actively working to develop it, Not only will you miss out on professional opportunities, you could actually sabotage your career. So knowing that, how do you handle a situation when you're asked a question in front of a large group of people? You're in a meeting with stakeholders, decision makers, or clients, and you're called to speak extemporaneously about your area of expertise. How do you prepare yourself to speak off the cuff? without losing your cool. No fillers, no stutters, no false starts. How can you be ready at a moment's notice to communicate clearly, calmly, and effectively? And what if you're given an opportunity to present to senior management? How do you prepare for that? Well, my guest today is Christy Ollinger, and lucky for us, she's a communication expert. Christy teaches communication skills to corporate professionals so that they can expand their influence and build relationships that make their work life easier. Christy is the host of The Opposite of Small Talk, the podcast for mid-career professionals interested in self-development. Christy, welcome. I am so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Oh, it's my pleasure. And you are speaking on such an important topic. So let's jump in. What is it that makes people so uncomfortable with speaking to large groups of people? I think the reason people are so unprepared to respond in the moment is that they believe this myth that communication is an innate ability and not a skill. We see people and we admire their polish and their ability to respond to questions eloquently. And we assume that they're a natural, but they aren't natural. They just look natural because they've practiced and prepared for that moment. (laughs) Oh, that's exactly right. I I love that. That's so, um, that gives us all hope. Well, what kind of mindset do you coach your clients to develop? so that they feel comfortable in working on their communication skills? Yeah, I think there's there's a couple things. One is a mindset that your ideas are worth sharing. In a corporate setting, particularly a hierarchical one, which most corporate settings are, it can be easy for us to think that if we're not the highest paid person in the room or the person that's the decision maker, that our opinions don't matter. But what we know about corporate environments is that 
there's a lot going on and it's messy. And our leaders count on us and need us to share the things that we're seeing it because there's no way that they can have their arms around the details. So the first piece is just making sure that you understand that your ideas are worth sharing, even if you don't have the end decision. Yeah, so agree with you on that. So if you know you have a piece of information and you want to share it with a senior manager or a real stakeholder, someone who's pretty high up the food chain, what are some ways to prepare yourself to think about how you're going to communicate that idea? Off the cuff does not have to mean off the top of your head. And this is the thing that I don't think people recognize. Again, when they see that person that's just a natural, that stuff isn't just randomly popping into their mind. They've prepared for that moment. So even when you don't know exactly what will be asked, there are some things that you can do to prepare for speaking off the cuff. So I think the first one is to just ask yourself before going into a meeting, who will be there? What are they interested in? What, what's their perspective about this topic? And what are their blind spots? What might they ask? And when you know those things, then think through how should you respond? And I even encourage people to practice or make a little note of what they might say to add value in a meeting so that it comes more naturally in the moment. So that's the first thing. The second thing in this digital world I have this document that I keep and I call it my know my stuff document. <laughs> and what I've found for myself is that I am a person who thinks very much in stories. I don't think in numbers. Numbers fly out of my head immediately. But often in meetings, people want to know what the numbers are. And so I got in this habit of keeping this know my stuff document at the ready on my computer. And most of my meetings, I have my document up and my computer ready, which makes it easy for me to reference and respond in the moment versus having to get back to them. So that's number two. And the last thing I encourage people to do is to come up with go-to phrases that work for them. So, I, you know, we all have sort of this way of speaking and some phrases are a little bit ridiculous in the corporate world, and we can avoid those if we'd like to. But finding the set, knowing how you're going to respond if someone interrupts you or if you want to interject a question and, and you need to interrupt somebody else or you need to give feedback, like knowing how you're going to start the conversation can be really helpful to you because we get in sort of a fight or flight mode and sometimes starting is just the harder part. So I would say those three things are probably my, my best tips for being prepared for off the cuff speaking. I love that. We are going to circle back to what to do when you get interrupted, how to start the conversation with senior management, how to have the difficult conversation. But let me ask you specifically, when did you realize that you had skills, communication skills that were much greater than the average person. How did you mm. have that epiphany? What happened? Well, I can tell you when I realized that I didn't have the skills oh. that I needed. So <laughs> I, I've, I've always been interested in communications. I was a student of Toastmasters early in my career. When I got to mid my mid-career level, I got into a role that 
was much more complex and required collaboration across a span of different lines of business and people who I didn't own. So the job became much more complex to communicate. I had to influence people that I didn't manage directly. And it became really difficult to communicate my ideas. And that was surprising and upsetting to me because at that point in my life, I had already won a national speaking competition and I was already teaching workshops on communication. And yet here in my day job, I was struggling with this influence and communicating ideas differently. And, and I did what most people do. I learned by watching others. I learned on the job. But fast forward another decade, and I realized that I really want to help that person. I want to help the me from 10 years ago by showing you how to learn on the job faster. Something that you alluded to in that answer, which I think is brilliant, is that you don't speak the same way you would to an engineer as you would to someone in marketing. And so in talking to anybody who wants to perfect their communication skills, how do you coach them around the, I guess the change in language or the change in tone in talking with different aspects, whether it's marketing, engineering, finance, operations? Yeah. Positioning is about the people. Oh, and yeah. so I I think what people struggle with is they don't want to feel yucky when they're trying to influence people, like they're being duplicitous if they're saying different things to different people. But what I encourage people to think about is you're telling a story and the way you tell the story is going to be different depending on who's in the audience and what's important to them. And so we can take cues based on who they are, their level in the organization and the role that they play. To your point, you're going to speak differently to engineering than you would be to speaking to finance because they care about different things. But the story's the same and the recommendations that you're making are the same. And then when you get to needing to really influence and something that's much more complex, it's not enough just to know what area of the organization they work in. You have to know them and what's important to them as an individual and what are their goals and how is what you're recommending going to help them with their goals. And when you can figure that out, that's when you can really unlock collaboration across business units through this communication. Right. Uh, you're really talking about the concept of buy-in and creating buy-in where as you communicate, the individual you're speaking with or the group starts to understand, oh, this is going to solve a problem for me. Yes. Yeah, I love that. That's that's so important. Um, what other kind of, I'll just ask patterns. We we talked about that fear of getting up and speaking off the cuff, but what are some of the other, I'll, I'll say phobias related to communication that your clients are coming to you for help with? What have you noticed? I, yeah, I, I've noticed the biggest problem, and they don't come to me for this, but this is what we typically find, <laughs> right. is that they're not having the difficult conversation. They'll um, describe to me a scenario that's going on, and my first question is, well, did you tell them what your perspective is and ask them about it? And the answer is almost always no. We avoid conflict, we avoid difficult conversation, and it causes us so much extra stress and anxiety that if we could just have the conversation in a 
in a curious way versus thinking that you know what the answer was that the other person said. One of my favorite communication comics or memes is a picture of two people and they're standing on a sidewalk facing each other and they're looking down on the ground at a number. And the person on the right-hand side is saying, it's a six. And the person on the left-hand side is saying, no, it's a nine. And they're yelling at each other, completely frustrated. But if they could just walk over to the other person and see things from their perspective, they'd see that both things are true. So just because you're right doesn't mean the other person is wrong. And often that's a really hard thing to see in the moment. Oh my goodness, I love that because it is about the perspective shift that allows better communication. For all of our listeners, I do wanna share, um, Christy has so many great strategies about how you can communicate in the workplace. And the quickest way to get to her is to follow her on Instagram. She is at ko.communications, ko.communications on Instagram. That was how I found her. And so Christy, I wanna come back and let's dive in a little bit deeper on resolving conflict because to your point, no one wants to have that difficult conversation. And yet that is part of what happens at work. And especially as a manager, at least 60% of your time is resolving conflict one-to-one or conflict within your team or conflict within your team and another team. So if someone was going to have to have that difficult conversation and resolve conflict, say with a colleague, what would be some of the steps you'd recommend them taking to prepare, and then some of the things you'd recommend they would do in the conversation. Yeah. So the first thing I I recommend is don't delay. And there's a couple of benefits to that. One is it's fresh in your mind. If it's a specific scenario that is happening, it's fresher in your mind if you address it right away. But the other really important piece is that humans are wired for risk avoidance. And so when we perceive that there could be a risk, we make up a story about and fill in the gaps about what's really going on. And that story is almost always negative. And so we spiral out in these, and and then it makes it bigger than it needs to be. When often, if we just have the conversation in that moment, that would make it easier. So that's number one. I would say the second is to choose the channel and forum wisely. In-person is the best. And I would say the advice around you want to be praising people in open forums and providing feedback in closed forums is another thing to keep in mind. Just if, if you think that this is something that one or both of you might come out in a bad light, have that conversation one-on-one with the person that you're having the conflict with versus trying to do it in a staff meeting. It's just not going to be helpful in that moment. And then the last I would say is there are very few conflict scenarios that don't fit into the SBI framework, which is a framework from the Center of Creative Leadership uh, S stands for situation, behave, B stands for behavior, I stands for impact. That matches so many scenarios. And what I love about it is that it focuses on the observable behavior and the impact that it had on you. Oftentimes people don't realize how the things that they do impact others. And so bringing that to light and sharing it from your own personal perspective 
is extremely valuable. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is such a great, great piece of strategy. Um, Cause really what you're talking about is being emotionally intelligent in that moment when you're having that conversation, not only understanding the impact of your words on the other person, but also understanding about what is most important to them to move the yeah. needle, resolve and, the conflict. And emotional t- intelligence is absolutely something that you need to bring into any of these kinds of conversations. And a lot of my videos on Instagram and TikTok that really resonate are giving people scripts that will adjust based on your context. And so when I think of one of the biggest pieces of um, emotional intelligence that you need is to understand when do you need to be more assertive and when should you be less assertive? And to me, that's all your emotional intelligence and experience and understanding the dynamics and audience in the situation. Right. You bring up a point, which is why I think your work is so critical and why I'm so excited you're doing this episode with me, is that not only are you speaking about the long-term strategy, but the specific tactics with a script. So for listeners out there, having difficult conversations is difficult. That's why we call it difficult. But Christie's teaching gives you not only the overarching strategy, but the step-by-step action plan with a script to actually have that conversation. Um, I wanna take a little bit of a left turn before we get into some more of your teaching, but if you could share advice with your younger self, what would you like to tell yourself based on your perspective now? It took me way too late in life to understand that every person is living in a, in their own version of reality that's grounded <laughs> in the experiences that they've had and who they are. I spent so much of my early professional career frustrated that other people just didn't get it because I assumed that they all thought like I did, worked like I did felt the same way about things as I did. And it was really late in my life when I figured that out. And I think I would have uh, fared better if I I knew that sooner. Uh, I think that's true for all of us. Mm, (laughs) And some of us haven't learned that yet. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like your, your twenties are kind of like the decade of being a little bit selfish and maybe that's okay. Um, but I'm always impressed when I see people in that age bracket that are enlightened and really get that, everybody everybody's coming to things from a different place yeah that that is really the source of it isn't it um i want to talk uh let's start from the real basics which is how does a voice pitch tone speed and volume impact our ability to communicate and what are some pointers you can share to really have that professional presence before you even think about the content I love this question. And I learned this in my early days at Toastmasters. There was a particular lesson called vocal variety, where it taught what is pitch, what is tone, what is speed, these kinds of things, and how can you change them to mean different things. What I love about improving your vocal profile is it's one of those things that people use every day, but don't ever think about. The only time they think about their voice is when they're confronted with hearing it somewhere. And then they're just just beside themselves because they hate the way it sounds. But it is so easy to improve your vocal profile and it makes a big 
different. So I'm going to give you some quick examples. I'm not going to go through all of them, but mm -hmm. research shows that when you speak slightly louder than your normal speaking point, uh, speaking voice, you're seen as truly believing in the stance of your message. And so that comes across as more credible. Similarly, people who speak really fast are perceived as being unconfident or nervous. And so slowing down your rate of speech and adding in pauses is going to make people feel that executive presence from you. The last one I'll say, which I think is an important one, one to watch, has to do with your pitch. So pitch is where your voice is on the musical scale. And as you speak a sentence, your pitch changes, right? And that's the melody of your sentence. And we've all known that person that talks like this. And then we're not quite sure if they're asking a question or if they're trying to tell us a statement. And it makes us feel like they don't know what they're talking about. So make sure that when you're speaking, you are ending your sentence on a downward pitch. I, I'm laughing because upspeak is so typical from the part of the country that I'm in and I catch mm. myself doing it all the time. Mm. It's just not a good thing to be doing. So let's, let's get into the real meat of this. What's the best way to respond in a meeting when you're interrupted? Mm. I'll give you the beginner strategy and the advanced strategy. Awesome, two for one. I think as a beginner, it's really difficult in the moment to advocate for yourself having been interrupted. But immediately following the meeting, you could contact that person, right? Walk out of the room with them or catch them, ping them and get them on the phone and call, not call out, but help them understand what happened and how it impacted you. Mm -hmm. Again, back to that idea that we don't always know what we're doing and how we're triggering people. It could be that that person wasn't intending to speak over us and squash our ideas and they might not have even recognized it. And if you can have the professional courage to say to them, I was trying to share this idea and you interrupted me. And so I wasn't able to get my point across and that had a really negative impact that's a really powerful statement. And that person is going to think twice about interrupting you in the future. I say that's the big, it takes professional courage. I say it's the beginner because it's hard to do it in the moment. And so it's nice to have an option to do it after the fact, as long as you do it immediately after. But if someone's interrupted you in the moment, that's where you need a strategy and script if you want to gain control back. And so I find the best way to get someone to stop talking is to say their name because people recognize their name right away if you just sort of keep talking. So so say their name and like it, it probably depends on if you're the facilitator or just a participant, but I might say something like, oh, I really want to hear what you have to say about this, but I'm, you know, I had one more point. I was in the middle of this point that I'd just like to finish before we move on. 
I think that would be the way I would would say it. And and again, depending on that power dynamic, probably depends on how assertive I'm going to be in that. If I'm the facilitator of the meeting, I have no problem taking control back because that's your job as the facilitator. If you're the most junior person in the room and you get interrupted by a very senior person, then you might need to be a little bit deferential to say, "Oh, John, I'm you know I I was." continue, I had more to make on this point that I'd like to finish before we move on. Right. It's tough. You got to have, yeah. have the professional courage to do it. Yeah. And let's just acknowledge that we don't talk to senior management the way we would to a colleague, the way we would to a subordinate. And so there is, there are those degrees, but I love the use of the name because that does kind of get the other mm -hmm. person's attention and make them pause for a minute. Um, what about dealing with conflict with a colleague? Uh, how do you start that conversation? Because it's different than having conflict with a subordinate. You might be managing oh, yeah. or senior management because there you are with a peer and there's some sort of conflict there. What What's a script for that conversation? Yeah. Again, I would lean back on the situation behavior impact framework. Mm -hmm. I, when I go to have a difficult conversation with someone, I like to give them a little bit of a heads up that it's going to be a difficult conversation right. and that it's important to me. So I think one of the most generous things you can do is, is to say, hey, I'm really nervous to have this conversation because our relationship is important and I want to be sure that we're working to, together the best that we possibly can. And that sort of disarms and discharge whatever, you know, might be flowing between the two of you and opens up receptivity. So I would say whatever, whatever it is, if you start with your intentions and your intentions are truly positive and to resolve and work well with this person going forward, I think that is very well received and opens people up to the idea of, of having the conversation. And resolving it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, for all our listeners, again, along with all of this, these wonderful pieces of strategy, you can follow Christy at on Instagram at ko.communications, because as you can hear in this episode, she has a wealth of practical strategies to use. Uh, let's go on to the big one, which is how do you give feedback? There's a common coaching technique where it's called the feedback sandwich, where you say something positive, you put in the middle, and here's a thing to improve. And then on the end, you have something else that's positive. Many times with a woman manager who is managing a, ma a male employee, female manager managing a male employee, there could be a little bit of confusion there on the employee's part because they hear that, oh, I did these two things great, well, there's this other thing. I'll work on that later when literally it's the feedback is about that thing that needs improvement. So how do you, how do you work around that? What's your. So I, the feedback sandwich has gotten a lot of criticism for good reason. Yeah. I think people, uh, there's the example of them misinterpreting it, right. And getting exactly. missed signals, but there's also the example of your positive feedback is seen as disingenuous because people know what you're doing. I think that's the other outcome that exists. For me, I think the most critical thing about feedback is to be doing it every 
single time, all day, every day, and in every direction. Because then it becomes expected that feedback is something that we do to improve, to learn from our experiences, and you're cultivating a learning culture and a growth mindset. It's not feedback is something that is telling someone that they're wrong and they're broken. It's it's sort of a different conversation. So for me, anyone who's worked with me and we've had some big meeting where we're trying to pitch someone on something, they know that immediately after that call, I'm going to call them up and say, how do you think that went? And that's the opportunity for exchange between the two of us. That, and they can tell me what are the things that I could have done better. And it's a learning mindset. It's not a it, pointing out failures. Um, it's not about putting people down for the things it's about lifting them up right so it's not punitive it's actually from a place of curiosity how did how do you think that went which is really brilliant and it's just a great entree into any conversation that's going to be a debrief and then it's welcomed and then it feels better and it's welcomed and it's good for everyone right Right. Uh, I want to talk, I wasn't planning on asking about this, but this is such a natural component. What we're really talking about here is how critical the feeling of psychological safety is in the work environment. And if you're working for a micromanager or you're working for a screamer, and there are some people who just like to go to volume 11 with a very fast pace, they just kind of escalate so quickly. what are some things that anyone could do at any level of management to really encourage that psychological safety? You mentioned this one we just talked about. How do you think that went? But what are some other conversation starters that yeah. could build trust? That's really yeah. I think, what we're talking about here. Yeah, I, I think what it comes down to is people being willing to acknowledge that they don't have all the answers and being willing to acknowledge that they have made mistakes and they will make mistakes and know that that's not going to be um, the end of all, of everything, right? So I, I, I kind of feel like this one, it happens within teams. It, it happens top down. I, I feel like it really does. Like your most senior leader needs to be willing to be honest about not always having the answer to everything. That's a fact in business. We're seeing vulnerable leadership as being more accepted and adopted. So I I think we are trying to move to more psychologically safe spaces. It's a a tough one. It it is tough. I, I, I think it happens in everyday moments of people being willing to share what's not working and work through things together. And having that honest conversation and that intention to really make things better Mm -hmm. for the greater good, not the chosen few. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me uh, ask you, this is a question that I I know a lot of my clients ask because many, many clients come to me when they've got a bad relationship with their boss. And quite honestly, the easiest way to ascend in your career is if you've got a good relationship with your boss and they are a stakeholder. So of course, if you don't, people Mm want to know. So if you're in a meeting and it's not a larger meeting, but let's say it's your manager and their team, you present an idea and it's just shot down 
what's the best way to respond in that mm -hmm. circumstance? Understanding the why I think is really important. So if things are getting shot down without any dialogue, that to me is a bit of a red flag, but sometimes a great idea can just come at the wrong time. And there are things that we don't know that are going on in the environment that our boss has exposure to that we don't. Mm -hmm. So I think asking questions and getting curious about the why behind it's why it's getting shut down is really helpful to understand the broader context to, to know, okay, is this really, is this a me problem? Is it, is it a bad idea? Is it a relational issue or is it just not the right time? Again, back to that idea of not assuming the worst and instead being curious about what's happening and understanding it a little bit better. Yeah, that is really clear. I love that. Um, let's talk about your podcast. Uh, what was the impetus? And I think I know because you want to help people have better work-life balance, have a better relationship at work and be able to communicate clearly. But what was the impetus to start your podcast? Well, I'll, I'll tell you the funny business reason. I decided to start my business in 2019. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, at that very moment, I had absolutely no digital presence whatsoever. I had a Facebook um, you know, account that I posted pictures of my kids. And I had a LinkedIn profile that wasn't very active and didn't have anything in it. And I was thinking, gosh, how am I going to build you know, like credibility and have these, you know, have these conversations and deliver content. And I just love podcasts as, as a medium. I am, I am what I refer to affectionately as an OG podcast listener, because I can remember <laughs> connecting my iPod nano to my computer to load podcasts so I could go for a run back in the early 2000s. Like you had to physically connect it. And so I've always been really um in in love with this medium because it's just so versatile and I can go for a run and wash dishes and be learning all the while so it was a no-brainer to start a podcast um, as a way to communicate with folks and I actually have a co-host her name is Danielle McCombs and we had been having so many great conversations about personal and professional growth and realizing that you can't always separate those two. And so it's called the opposite of small talk. Once a month, I do a solo episode that's very specifically workplace communication related. And then for the other episodes, we interview a wide variety of thought leaders on everything from your sense of smell to building a career to uh, how to handle grief. Like it's a very broad spectrum of things, but it's all centered on having a growth mindset and recognizing that you get to choose kind of the path of your life. And so exposing you to a wide variety of ideas. I love that. So you can get to Christy's podcast anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. It's called The Opposite of Small Talk. Um, and I've heard a couple of episodes and uh, very compelling. So you just dropped... Um, a teaching from one of my favorite people, Carol Dweck, Growth Mindset. And I just want to tie back to something that you said really early on in our conversation today about when you're thinking about having that difficult conversation or needing to get up and present in front of a group, you really do want to think about the other person's perspective. And sometimes we tend to be so self-conscious 
not self-aware, we forget to do that. So mm -hmm. in terms of communication and knowing that the growth mindset is one of a more, let's say, self-compassion and the thought that, well, I didn't quite get it right this time, but next time I've got all sorts of information to improve my communication. I just want to ask you, how do you use the concept of the growth mindset, Carol Dweck's work, in your coaching, in your trainings, in your podcast, on your social accounts, in mm. your teachings? Oh, thank you for asking that question. And it's very full circle. So my philosophy is that there's no one right way to communicate. And the only way to get better is through practice, intentional practice. And so, you know, for me, curiosity and growth mindset is what has driven me to, um, to be more intentional and pay attention in my regular workday to learn these skills. And so when I work with clients, you know, they're busy, they're, they're, you know, they're doing a full-time job and they're juggling a personal life. They don't have time to spend hours and hours developing their communication skills. So the way we work together is we come up with a learning plan and, and practice that they can do in their day job. And then when we reconnect, we say, well, how did that go? And what could have gone better? And we tweak. And I basically teach them how to learn on the job faster, which is the way that adults learn best anyway. So that's, it's really, that's, that is the thing. It's, you know, paying closer attention to the experiences that you're already having so that you can build that skill faster. So if I hear you correctly, you're not creating a one size fits all for any client, because every client's got specific needs. There are definitely overarching themes in terms of communication. You don't want to wait to have the difficult conversation. You want to make sure that you start with the end in mind, knowing what the other person you're speaking to, what their needs are, what their pain point is. But you really do create individual plans. And I love that you're telling your clients, go out, your workplace is your laboratory, that's your classroom, and then come back and debrief me. I mean, I think that's I love that you said that because our flagship workshop that everybody just adores is called Communication Lab. And how it works is we do, we start with a five minute video, which is a compilation of all these reels and TikToks I've been doing. And then we pick three to go deeper in. And then we have a lot of interaction with the audience where they talk about different scenarios and we talk about approaches. But the whole idea is, look, I, I love teaching people things, but I don't really want them to learn something unless they can use it. So it's very much directed by the audience. The It's like a choose your own adventure workshop because it really, the it's different every time. And it's based on what that group needs. That is brilliant. I, I might have to steal that idea. I hope you're okay. With so that. absolutely do. More people should be doing this. It's it's oh, that's like, great. that's how you learn this stuff. Yeah. I do want to say one of the things that really drew me to you, because uh, I'm on Instagram, as are you. Uh, I'm, I'm not on X. I'm not on TikTok. But your teachings are so concise. Mm. You know, we'd mm -hmm. assume that you're a communication coach coach, but they're so compelling and so clear. And for anyone out there who's listening, reach out to Christy. Uh, you can find her on all the social media, but we recommend Instagram. We love Instagram. She's at ko.communications. So Christy, I'd just like to wrap up by asking you, what is the one message you really want listeners to hear, understand, 
and take away with them from your episode. Yep. Communication is a skill and skills get better with practice. Mic drop. Mic drop. That's it. I mean, like I said, the biggest myth is that it's an innate ability and it's not. You can absolutely, you're unlimited in your potential to improve your communication skills. It has been my absolute pleasure to have you as a guest. Again, for all the listeners out there, reach out to Christy. You can find her on Instagram, ko.communications. She's got other social uh, media accounts, but Instagram is the one we love and it's super interactive. Again, Christy Ollinger at ko.communications. Christy, thank you. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks for listening to Grace Grit and getting it done. I'm your host, Lisa Gillette. If you'd like more information or to contact me directly, send me an email, lisa at bigsky, B-I-G-S-K-Y dot coach. Lisa at bigsky.coach. Thanks for listening.